Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, this is Doc Huffbauer coming to you from my studio here in Alvin, Texas. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. Uh, we have with us today my guest, Kinsey Broxson from PK Performance. Uh, Kinsey, why don't you say hi to everyone? Hey everyone. So you sent me a couple of um, you sent me a couple of letters uh, that you had gotten, not just from the Dear Doc letters, but also mm -hmm. from some other groups on the internet. Um, so talk to me a little bit about that and um, what all you found. Um, so I've been seeing a lot about the reimbursement issues with insurance. And I think there is a reimbursement issue, but I think there's a way to get around that pretty easily um, with just simply the verification process. And so to me, it seems like to just find a solution there and have it solved beforehand instead of having to worry about even talking about the reimbursement issues with the insurance companies, because it's just simply that you can tell the patient before you even start treatment or anything happens with the claims and you're looking at appeals and all that good stuff, um, that you can just talk to them about their insurance beforehand and tell them this is how they're going to cover. And I know that because I talked to somebody or I have your breakdown right here and you don't even have to worry about it. Well, you know, one of the things, anymore. one of the things that I hear a lot from people is, um, well, those insurance people, they lie to me about what the coverage is. And I suspect in most cases, it's simply that the person who was on the phone with insurance didn't ask the correct questions or they didn't know what it was they were being told. Right. Right. And a lot of times, you know, sometimes you get a rep that may be new and they might not know either. You know, there's been a lot of times where I've talked to insurance companies and I've gotten a rep and I've taught them something on the phone and they're like, Oh, I didn't know that. And it's like, that's okay. You know, I'm just telling you how this process works and how dental insurance works and how the dental industry works. Um, and so I think that's a huge problem with a lot of posts that I've seen is it's just simply something that can be fixed before the patient even walks in the door. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So let's go ahead and jump into some of these, um, some of these letters and, um, you can, you can cover them in, in greater specificity. How does that sound? Yes. All right. So uh, we had one letter on the business of dentistry. Um, it was actually just a post. It wasn't a Dear Doc letter. Uh, what do you do for employee and direct family member dental benefits? What if their spouse has dental insurance? Does that work with copay and receiving benefits that you yourself give out in the office and to employees and their direct family members? I think that's a great question because it, it's one of those things that we worry about. We don't want to be guilty of committing fraud with insurance. Right. And right. I think that uh, that's a very real worry whenever you have in-office discounts for your employees and mm -hmm. in-office benefits that aren't an actual registered plan. So, right. Kenzie, talk to me a little bit about that. And, and um, if you saw any just horrendously wrong answers that need to be corrected, please do so now so that we can keep people out of trouble. So on that one, I would just say if there's a spouse that does have dental insurance and you are filing the dental insurance for the spouse and their family members, um, and then also the employee, don't try to write off the amount without letting the insurance know. Um, just be straight about it. And if you don't want to even go there, then I suggest just zeroing it all out from the dentist perspective anyways. Um, if you want to help your employees and you want to give them that benefit, 
um, since they are working with you and you maybe don't provide health insurance and you just want to provide free dental services, um, I suggest don't even filing to the insurance. Um, and you can even tell that person if they want to have their spouse drop it or if you just want to simply give the benefit to your employee and then just tell um, the employee that their family, if they come in, you'll file to their insurance and you'll collect the copay. But it's just best not to show favoritism, even just towards employees, because if you do get audited and they're showing that it's not for every patient that you're doing that on, that can open up a big can of worms that you probably don't want to get into. So um, your takeaway on that is that probably the best thing to do is just either not to file and allow the patient to file themselves or to make sure that you write some sort of a letter to the dental insurance company, letting them know what you're doing. Because folks, that is how you can legally write up a copay and you can't do that in every instance. It has to be special instances. Otherwise, well, your UCR isn't what you're claiming, which is an entirely different kind of fraud, right? Right. So um, let's say you are in network with this insurance. Let's say it's Delta and I'm in network with Delta. God, I'm not. But uh, <laughs> let's say I'm in network of Delta and I want to give my, my employees the benefit of $1,000 of free dental care every year. Okay. Mm -hmm. As you know that we do that. Mm -hmm. So person comes in to get a crown done and let's say their copay is in my practice, I guess $400 or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. So if their copay is going to be $400, I would then write the insurance company, uh, insurance company, a, a letter and mm -hmm. it will say, Hey, this, uh, this person is an employee of mine because of the fact that we have an in-house, uh, plan for them. They get a thousand dollars worth of benefits every year. 400 of that is going to go toward their copay. Just wanted you to be aware. Is that enough? Is that, does that yes. meet legal, the legal level that we're required to do? Yes. Yes. Because you simply told them exactly what you're doing. And so then it's up to them to say, okay, we're going to provide benefits or no, we're not right. going to provide benefits. And okay. so yeah, that's enough. Fantastic. So again, guys, the, the big trick here is to not be tricky. It's just to be honest right. with the insurance company and that'll right. keep you out of hot water. So um, our next question here says, um, I was talking to a retired dentist that is now an insurance consultant. His view about dental insurance is that dental insurance is there so that more people can be treated and served affordably. I have often thought of the dental insurance companies as the enemy, but this, if this point of view is true, it does, however, imply the business, of, blah, 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 blah. it does, however, imply the business of dentistry. I'm not sure about the wording of that question. Um, so are we members of society to treat our fellow man, sorry, don't mean to be politically incorrect, and make a decent income? Are we mercenaries in dentistry to make as much money as possible? When any of us is in need of medical procedure, do we seek an in-network physician or hospital? I've been in dentistry since 1983, and I've been running my own practice since 1991. Uh, seen a lot and done so much. I am in a conundrum so far as where this profession is headed. I, I think that that, that question is, um, is very poorly um, written, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you don't either have to be a member of society or a mercenary. You're, you're a business owner. And the, the fewer patients that you can, you can help, the less money comes into your practice, the fewer employees you can employ, the fewer lives you can change, the less right. you can do for your community. Right. And eventually, the less you can do for society at large. Um, right. Making a profit is not an immoral thing, as is implied by this post. And um, 
I'm very surprised by this person posting this on the business of dentistry. Um, it's, it's not, um, definitely not in keeping with our, um, our philosophy that, you know, you do well by doing good. Right. So Kenzie, what are your, what are your thoughts on this post? So I thought that was, that post was pretty interesting. Um, because I do view the insurance companies as a business also. I know I'm not supporting them at all, but they are a business and they're trying to make money just like Dentistar. Absolutely. Um, and so I know you've heard me say this multiple times. Why not play the game with them? It's just business. You know, dentists are trying to make money. Patients need treatment. It's just the industry and the insurance is trying to make money as well. Um, so sometimes they're the bad guy. Sometimes they're not. I think it depends on who you talk to a lot of times. Right. Um, and a lot of times the consultant, you get a good consultant, you get a bad one. It's just the same for every single company. You know, you have the bad apples and the good ones everywhere you go. Um, and so that just stands behind what I've always said is don't get angry at the insurance companies. Just do business <laughs> like you're supposed to, just like they are. You know, Kenzie, in a, in a very real way, you and I have had some pretty in-depth discussions about some of the things that you have to do, have to know to get paid where other people are not getting paid. And mm -hmm. it seems to me almost like a dance that if you just don't know the rules, um, you know, when, when you're dancing, let's say you're doing a waltz and you move your hand in a certain direction, that, that tells your partner which direction you're going and they respond in turn with the appropriate move, right? The right. appropriate movement. And right. so it seems to me that this whole insurance game really is kind of like a dance. You know, you, um, you have to have certain expectations. Like, for instance, you're, you're dancing a waltz. You're not, you know, going to be doing a line dance, right? It's right. a totally different dance. You, that just right. doesn't work. So there's some things with dental insurance that can be done and some things that can't be done. And you, it seems you just have to accept the rules about what can and can't be done and learn mm -hmm. the different rules for that dance. Exactly. All right. And well, I think yeah. that, I guess I think we can that, wrap it up then. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think that a lot of people get very frustrated because there are so many rules and they're constantly changing. Um, but a lot of the times the insurance will tell you exactly what they want. And if you just give them what they want, I mean, everybody will be satisfied. Now there are times where, yes, there's insurance companies that will request things that it's like, that doesn't make sense. And if it doesn't make sense, it's just a phone call and say, Hey, that doesn't make any sense. And this is why you don't need it. And this is what I gave you. And most of the time they're like, Oh, good point. Okay. I don't know why I need that. I was just told by the system or right. somebody told me to, and you can just get it resolved really easily. And, and as with most things, I've actually heard you on the phone. I've had the benefit of doing that. Whereas many haven't, um, you get more flies with honey than with vinegar. Um, mm -hmm. folks, if you want to go into battle with these people, expect them to, to be confrontational. If you instead go into it with the heart of an educator and say, hey, look, I, I know you're probably asking this because your system told you to or whatever, but if you look at this, this, and this, this is why you don't actually need that. Can you go ahead and process this claim so we can help our patient? Mm -hmm. And then it, you're, you're being inclusive with them. And I, I, I always marvel to hear you speaking to them because I'm wanting, I'm wanting to chew, chew chains and spit out nails. And uh, <laughs> Kinsey's all sweet and nice on the phone. And so... I, I've gotten I've, I've gotten to see you do that. Do you have any suggestions, things that you see happening in offices that you consult with, or in in offices that you've worked at, where people aren't as successful in dealing with that relationship with the insurance company to make it less adversarial? And what 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 do you do? 
Honestly, I think it's knowledge. I think it's coming at it with the clinical dentistry knowledge and being able to tell them like, you know, this is how this procedure works. Because when you talk to the reps, they don't know clinical dentistry. Majority of them don't. Um, They're just doing what they're told. And so if you can come at them with an educated response, they don't really have anything to come back with. You know, it's just like whenever you're in a debate with anybody, if you're coming at it with no facts, um, no way to back your information, you're going to lose the debate. But if you can come at it with an educated response, with all this knowledge, they really don't have anything to come back at you with unless they have a more educated response, which most of the time doesn't happen. But if they do, that gives you an opportunity to learn something. Exactly. And then you can then move forward and say, hey, with this policy, I just found out this about the insurance. Let's flag that for the future. So um, another question that we we got actually – this is, uh, this is from a good friend of mine who owns a different group, and uh, he posted, how are you managing declining insurance reimbursements? And we all know that the, the big, bug, the big you know, gorilla in the room right here is that dental education tuition costs are going up, mm-hmm. and a lot of people say reimbursements are going down, uh, and that, that is a direct response to bundling uh, rather than unbundling those fees and services. So, Kenzie, what is your take on that? Do you see that the reimbursement rates are actually going down? And if so, what are some of the techniques that you would suggest to combat that? I do see some of them going down, um, but I think the solution for that, and we kind of talked about it um, just a second ago, is your verification process. If you can just have that system down 100%, then you don't have to worry about future reimbursement issues because you can just communicate with the patient and say, Hey, this is the fee. This is your estimated insurance. And I know this for a fact because of X, Y, Z, the patient sees that you have a lot of knowledge about their policy and they're going to trust you. It's just like when you go purchase a car, are you going to purchase a car from the guy who doesn't know anything about cars? Or are you going to purchase it from the guy who knows everything about cars and the engine and all that good stuff? Um, If you know their policy, like the back of your hand, then most likely they're going to trust what you're saying. And they're like, well, dang, I have a crappy insurance policy. Well, let's schedule treatment. You know, if you can tell them that and they can understand that, then it's so much better for the dentist. You know, the problems Mm -hmm. usually arise after the claim is processed. They didn't get the reimbursement. And then it's like, do we write off the amount? How do we get it from the patient? And then you're in a scurry to try to collect that. If you can just do it all ahead of time, then there's not going to be an issue with it. One of, one of my favorite things to do um, whenever I'm speaking to an, a patient about insurance, and, and as you know, I'm out of network with everyone. And so it, it's, I think, probably more important for us than it is for people who are in network. Mm-hmm. But what I do is I say, hey, look, I'm so glad you have dental insurance. They will cover up to $1,500 of this treatment. And that's fantastic because we are going to work with them to get you every bit of benefit that you're owed. Now, in all likelihood, this is how much they'll pay for this procedure, um, but we're going to get every cent of that for you. Yep. Do you have any techniques? Because I know that you close big cases all the time because of the fact that you were working for a specialty center and, you know, you're presenting cases and those generally are cases that are twenty-five dollars to $75,000. So can you give some hints, some t- tips and techniques that these doctors can bring back to their office 
um, both our fee-for-service friends and our, our, our PPO friends, that they can bring back to their office that will help them to close these cases and to get the patient to be able to do the treatment that they need done. Yeah, so on these bigger cases, whenever you're looking at the insurance reimbursement, $1,500, $2,000 is usually the max unless they have a really good high option policy that's right. over $2,000. Congressmen and mail carriers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I focus on the insurance by telling them, hey, I know for a fact we can get benefits for the implants and that's all you're really going to need because implants are so expensive anyways. And if they don't have implant coverage, then I explain to them that they don't have coverage on that. But for the extractions and the alveoloplasty that goes with like a full mouth case, we can get benefits towards that. Or if it's like a full mouth rehab with crowns, I'll tell them, you know, they're only going to cover up to three or four crowns anyways. So you don't even have to worry about the individual itemizing out. Is this covered? Is this covered? Is this covered? Because right. if it's the $20,000, $75,000 case, something out of that's going to be covered and you're going to be able to get at least the 1500 or the 2000 unless it's just a government federal policy that only covers preventative right um, and then at that point again you just educate them on their policy and let them know i know where i can get the benefits and i you don't promise them but you pretty well let them know it's about a 80 percent chance that we're going to get that reimbursement and they trust you and whenever you form that trust through that communication with your patient, then they're most likely going to schedule treatment because they know you're going to do everything you can. And even if you can't get the benefit, sometimes you always tell the patient, I did everything in my power. I used all my knowledge and this is what your insurance said. And they respect that um, because if you can show them that you tried instead of saying, oh, well, your insurance is horrible and I, I couldn't get the money. So you owe right. money. They get offended, you know. They They're do. Like, and, you know, the thing is, and I think what a lot of people don't understand, the words that you use are like magic. Words mm -hmm. create a picture in someone else's mind. And yeah. so, for instance, if I say you have a shitty insurance policy, that tells the patient something very different than, hey, great, you have an insurance policy. It will cover up to this. Mm -hmm. One of them makes them feel like they made a good decision. Yep. One of them makes them feel like they're stupid. Now, which yeah. one are they going to respond to better? They're going to respond better whenever you're complimenting them on their choice. Even if their choice wasn't mm -hmm. the greatest choice, exactly. if they come back to you and they say, well, I thought it was going to cover more than that, you can always say, well, you know, there are some that will cover more than that, and we can actually help to steer you toward those policies if you'd like. But by and large, most insurance companies only cover between 1000 1500 So mm -hmm. it's great that you're going to get some benefit out of this thing you've been paying for. And you can always educate them fully on their policy if you know it to let them know like, this is what you bought. Like, this is the policy that someone told you to get. And they're right. like, no one explained this to me because I've seen a lot of times, and I actually worked with somebody who um, was in HR and they had um, insurance agents come by and sell to their HR department to pick out dental insurance policies. Um, and I had the pleasure of working with her and training her. And she had told me after going through our training, she's like, I, didn't even know any of this. And I, you know, advised our employees on what dental insurance policy to use. And she's like, this could have been so helpful. And she's like, the insurance agents didn't even know what they were giving us anyways, right. because they didn't know it was really in the policies. And so that's something that if you can educate the patient on their policy and tell them what they bought, because 
most people aren't doing it on the other side. So really the patient is just stuck in the middle. <laughs> so, Kenji, you have no idea, but you just made more work for yourself. I'll talk to you about it after the episode. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> you know me, I'm always coming up with ideas. <laughs> I know okay, you so, are. <laughs> so there's a, um, another post that we're going to cover here. Um, still an associate dentist. Just watch the following scenario play out. An elderly woman in a nice car comes in. She says she doesn't have dental insurance, and she asks the front desk how much an implant is, how much a root canal is, and she tells her to come in for a consultation with the dentist. The patient is visibly upset and asks for the price of an exam. When the front desk says it depends on, if the dent, on which dentist you schedule with, the patient walked out in a huff. I just witnessed the office lose that cash-paying patient. I want to learn what to do in this situation so it doesn't happen in my office. What is the best way to handle this? Um, so I really like that one because this is a perfect opportunity to bring a new patient in and sit them down in your office and say, Hey, come sit with me. I just want to tell you about practice. If you have multiple providers and the prices may change depending on the provider, introduce them to who all the providers are. We've got this specialty, or if it's an all GP office, we've got this doctor and we've got this doctor provide them with the names and how long they've been there. Um, who the owner is, educate them about the place because then they feel welcome. It's just like if you go anywhere and you walk in a store, you want to be welcomed and you want someone to tell you something about the place and why you should buy something from there, why you should right. be a patient there. Um, and so I think for the future on anything that happens like this, I think you should, once you see a patient walk in and they're eager to find treatment and they know they need something, bring them in, sit them down in your treatment room or sit them down in your consult room or at a desk and say, let me tell you a little bit about the practice. And if they want prices and they're a cash pay patient and you do tell them, you know, everybody gives the spill of, well, it's hard to say because we don't know what you need, which is right. true, but you can give them some pricing if they're going to walk out. What's the point of letting them just walk out because you don't want to give Absolutely. them a price? Might as well, if they're about to walk out, Hey, let me just, I'll give you a very ballpark figure. You please do not hold me to it because it could change. And I, I right. don't want that to happen, but this is our fee for this type of service and this type of service. If they're about to walk out the door. Well, um, I'll, and I'll tell you, I think one of the biggest frustrations of patients, and this is people in general. Okay. So folks, you got to remember that patients are not an enemy to be won over. They're just people and they're, they're just looking for honest communication. Anybody who feels as if they're being scammed or they're being tricked is not going to respond well to you. And if you're evasive about what your pricing schedule is, then that, that's just being evasive. Mm -hmm. If instead you lead with, well, actually, I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's really hard to tell you exactly how much the procedure will cost in each case. It does range from low ball to high ball. Um, and the reason for that is it depends upon the complications that may occur, any other, other procedures that you need, as well as the one you're asking about. I, I just want you to understand, I'm not trying to be evasive. I just need to know more so that I can help you. Well, and also just telling them, I don't want to give you a figure. And then it's completely right. off from that. And it's so much more. And then you're upset with me. And usually they're like, oh, I won't be upset with you. And it's like, I know, I just don't want to throw you off in any sort of way if you're planning for something like this. Right. But if you can also think about it, the newer generations that are coming up that are going to be more the patients over the baby boomers. And I know right. there's been a lot of talk. Are we about talking about that. some, some millennials again here? <laughs> or are we talking about some Gen Z's? A little bit, but 
they are going to find a dentist who's the cheapest. They're not going to go for per se the highest quality or loyalty. They're going to go to somebody who is going to be less expensive, especially if you're in college or you're trying to pay for your loans. You're just looking for something that's good and something that's cheaper. Right. Um, and so they're probably going to be calling and asking for prices because they are going to be shopping around. Um, right. So if you don't provide that to them, then you're probably going to lose a lot of them. Excellent. So one other way, by the way, that I've heard that said is like, for instance, a crown. They will include a crown, their cheapest crown without buildup. And then they'll go all the way to a buildup, crown lengthening, root canal, and crown of their most expensive type. And they'll say, well, it depends upon what treatment you need. However, the price will never be less than such and such or more than such and such. Mm -hmm. And then that gives them a window and they can understand there's great variability in the price that way instead of you just trying to skirt around the answer, mm -hmm. but you've effectively done the same thing. You've told them that you don't know what the price is going to be, but you've done it in such a way that you've said yes to the patient, which exactly. I think so far as communication goes is one of the biggest things we can do is mm -hmm. learning to say yes, even when we're saying no. Right. And what's really the, reasoning for holding back all the pricing i mean is it because you don't want the other dentist down the street to know what your prices are or right. i mean there's ways to find that out anyways you know so it's kind I of agree. like i don't i don't know the whole reasoning behind that um and but, yet it's one of the big pieces of advice that consultants <laughs> give you right 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 oh goodness all right so i've got another another question here all right, I have a former patient who came to my practice for about one year back in 2017. At that time, we delivered a bridge. She has not been back since, two years ago, and now has moved out of the state. She called today saying that the bridge came out and she lost it and she wants to be compensated. I told her that if she comes back to our office, I'd be happy to make her a new one, but beyond that, what would you do? Nothing? Give her a bit of a refund? Seem like, seems like this week is full of crazies for us. I definitely have my own opinions on this scenario. Kenzie, I'd love to hear what your thoughts are. I would not give them a refund just because you haven't been seeing them for the past two years. So you can't really follow up with their, if they were on a three month um, recare visit or a right. six month, you can't see how they were keeping up with their oral health. Um, and so that's really hard to say, well, why did it break? Why did it fall out? Is it something right. that you ate? Is it something that you did? Is it something, I mean, have you kept up with your hygiene? Did it even really fall out? Are you just cash strapped right. and trying to, trying to scam us? You right, know? right. Did it really, and where is it? How'd you lose it? You know, right. those are all questions where I would be asking the patient in a kind way and just letting them know like, hey, unfortunately, you know, since we haven't seen you in so long, we really have no idea how your follow-up care has been. And I actually had an issue with a patient like this one time before and they got very upset and I was like, well, who have you been seeing for your care? Cause they said, well, I've been going to the dentist and I was like, oh, well, who have you been seeing? And I got the name of the dentist that they were seeing and I called that dentist and I said, well, I'm going to call them and ask them about your recare visits, see how that's been going. Um, and I did. And they're like, oh, we haven't seen her in a really long time. And I was right. like, there you go. <laughs> you know, if you can just Absolutely communicate with them in, in a kind way, instead of being very um, standoffish, like, no, I'm not going to give you anything. Right. Just tell them like, unfortunately, I'm, I'm so sorry, but we haven't seen you in a while. I'd love to hear who you've been going to so I can talk to them and maybe we can figure out what's happened and maybe we can work something out. Because most of the time 
they're probably lying about what has truly happened to the bridge or the crown or whatever. I, I would I would say, in, for my take on this one, always enter into a conversation with a patient with a genuine desire to help them, mm-hmm. because that comes through in spades whenever you're speaking to someone. Assume that the patient is telling the truth, but keep in the back of your mind that they may be lying, and enter into it with a, a true heartfelt desire to help them. Now, for me in my practice, we try to when problems, problems like this happen, or I see that problems like this happen to other people, I write policies. And so my policy in my office, as you know, is that we have a written warranty policy on all of our dental work. And it mm-hmm. details what percentage is covered after what amount of time and what the patient's obligation is to make sure that they actually receive that limited warranty. We also offer the dental warranty program, uh, which mm-hmm. allows them to pay... additional to whatever the price is to ensure that they can have their dental work fixed no matter where they are in the world. And so if a patient like this calls me, I'll say, well, let me take a look. Um, As you know, our policy is such and such, such and such. And it looks like you haven't been here, but good news. Did you buy the dental warranty at the time that we did this service? Oh, ma'am, I am, I am so sorry. Um, It really is a great product and it would have covered this situation for you. Um, really there's, there's nothing I can do because our policy is such and such, such and such. Now, a lot of people say, don't make the policy the bad guy. But yeah. I think in some instances, the policy needs to be the bad guy, especially right. if you have patients sign off on what that is. And you can just pull it up and say, okay, I've got right here, I've got your, your policy, um, your procedure. Uh, I'm sorry, pardon me. My, I have your warranty coverage right here. Uh, I see your signature. So good, good, good. We gave this to you. And okay, so you, you said you've been going to the dentist every six months. Can we get that information? Do what you did. And then whenever you come back, say, look, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, you didn't follow the, the, the guidelines of what you're supposed to do to maintain a warranty on this product. There's really not a lot I can do for you. Now, if you would like to come back to us and allow us to remake this bridge, we'll do so for three quarters of the price simply because I want to make sure we make you whole. And then you're not, you're not giving away the cow. Away. Exactly. Yeah. And I love the whole dental warranty um, policy that you can implement into the office and that you do because everything in the world, you have to buy a warranty if you buy something, you know? And again, like what we were saying earlier, the dental industry is a business and you're a business and you got to cover your costs and expenses. And if you go purchase a car and you don't get warranty on your car, you know, something happens to it, they're not going to do it for free. (laughs) Right. And you know, the thing is, is that we have to understand as dentists. Now, the first thing I think that a dentist needs to learn is that you are not responsible for the damage that your patient has done to their teeth. Mm -hmm. You are in no way morally obligated to, to help them to overcome the consequences of their poor decisions. Right. But you do happen to have the skills to help them to make the right decisions Mm-hmm. and to overcome those, those deficiencies or those disabilities that they themselves have earned. Yes, yes. Uh, and if you don't think that way, dentistry is a hard, hard job. Yeah, it is. Okay, so Kenzie, we have a, another one here. Um, for those of you who are out of network, how do you explain to patients the big difference sometimes in their network maximum and their out-of-network maximum? I've had two patients this weekend who have high in-network maximums of 25 or 35,000, but if they see us out of network, their amount, manual, their amount is only 2,000. 
Have you seen this? What are you saying when you talk to patients about this? Any pointers? I am renegotiating my contracts with Aetna, Humana, and MetLife. Until I fall under the connection dental network with these characters, I am considered out of network, but I'm still allowed, uh, still allowing for in-network fees for patients as I promised them. The problem is that I, I am seeing these huge discrepancies in their benefit maximums for in-network and out-of-network. Okay, so um, first of all, I, I, I alluded to this earlier, the only people who have that kind of coverage either work for a governmental, well, they work for a governmental agency, period. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I think I've seen one patient who had a $25,000 maximum, and it was an old um, indemnity plan actually, yeah. which those are fantastic. If you can get those, they make you happy. So talk to us a little bit about this. What do you think is going on in this particular instance? And um, what, uh, what can the doctor do to help to educate their patients? Um, so on this one, to focus strictly on the maximums and how to explain that to the patient for in or out of network, um, obviously you have to educate them on their policy and let them know that well, if you go to an in-network provider, it's 25000 If you go to an out-of-network, it is $2,000. we are out of network at the moment. But if you can sit down and say, how often are you going to use that full 25000 You right. know, if you can see that there are patients that just come in for their regular recare visits, maybe they have a crown every once in a while, maybe they have a couple fillings every once in a while, and they never use their full maximum, what's the point of going to an in-network provider if you're not even going to use all of those benefits? That's a very um, good point. So that's just something where I would talk to them and say, hey, you're not somebody who has to have a whole lot of dental work. Um, and so you're never going to use that full 25 or 35. Now, if we come across something to where you do need an implant and there's so much that goes into it, I can refer you to a specialist to take care of that. So you can at least keep that relationship with the patient. You might not get the implant. You might not get the big case but you can at least keep them coming in for their cleanings and you can keep the smaller stuff so you don't 100% lose the patient. Right. And maybe they'll even say, no, I don't even want to go to someone to use all that money, which they probably will want to. But you make a very, a very compelling point here. And I, what I find a lot is whenever I'm, I'm seeing these discussions, the, the gut instinct of the, of the dentist is to say, well, I don't even want you if you're not going to do the work here, mm -hmm. which to me is very, very wrong-minded. Every patient that you have in your practice is a potential referral source. If you treat them well and make them understand that you are different and that what you're offering them as an experience in your practice is better, then they will refer people to you. And yeah. they will, um, they'll refer their family and friends and you will get more work there. But every single person that you tell basically, oh, you know, we don't want you, as a patient, man, they're going to tell 10 people what a jerk you are. Mm -hmm. you know, it, it's it's, it's right. one of the oldest pieces of research in the book. A dissatisfied person, and this was back in the 80s, would tell 10 people. Now with the internet, it could be thousands. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, don't, don't take it as an, a personal attack that this person isn't getting their work done with you. They're making a financial decision, just like yeah. you made a financial decision to go out of network with their, with their insurance. And exactly. you have to respect that. Exactly. And if you can show the patient that you respect that, they respect you. And they're like, oh, you're not just trying to take all my money from me and convince me to stay here whenever the best financial decision is, hey, stay here for your cleanings. Let's get that right. done. We want to keep you as a patient. Any major, major work that's going to cost you a lot of money, 
hey, I can work with this other office and build a relationship with another dental office because they're not the enemy either. You know, I feel like sometimes we view other practices and patients as the enemy, but really everybody's just working together to try to get the job done. Absolutely. You know, there's a, actually, where's, where's that book? Got a book on my shelf over here that talks exactly about that. Talks about the blue ocean philosophy as opposed to the red ocean philosophy where, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you're not wanting to be a shark in an ocean full of sharks. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you want to find your own niche. And if your niche is not treating that particular patient, but you can form an alliance with another dentist and you can get goodwill between built between the two of you guys, come on. We don't have to be the kind of profession that everyone's out to cut everyone else's throat. Right. There's, there's more than enough patients out there who aren't getting their dental work done that, uh, that everybody could have a full house. Right. Not that kind of profession. Okay. So let's see here. Uh, Um, Okay. I had a patient I referred to Indo about a year ago. He came in last week and said the tooth was hurting. It was non-restorable, never had the root canal performed. And so we treatment plan and extraction. He came back and had it extracted. Now he is making a comment that we owe him a tooth because we did not follow up with him. And he said he would go 50-50 because it was half his fault. I never had this happen in my 20 years. So, <laughs> well, uh, Kenzie, I'm going to give my advice on that one first, if you don't mind. Yeah, go ahead. My advice is to treat it like a joke and laugh and say, well, man, I'll hook you up. Only 100% of the price of an implant. But this time, you got to take care of it so that you don't get into this position again. I hate seeing you like this. Mm-hmm. You know, we just, we just have to get you back on the bandwagon so you don't lose any more teeth. Mm-hmm. And I would, I would just treat it like a joke no matter how many times he says it. Kenzie, what would you do to explain to this patient that this is entirely 100% their fault um, without being a jerk? So what I would do if it was me, the one that went over the treatment plan a year ago or however long ago that was, usually um, whenever I go over treatment plans, I explain uh, very in-depthly about the clinical side and why it's important and why they need it. Um, and I always recommend putting a treatment plan conference note after you're finished, Absolutely. explaining what you talked about, what you said. Um, so I'd go back and look at those notes and I'd say, well, and a lot of times I will show the patient, I'll be like, well, you know, here's your notes. I'll turn the screen around. I talked to you a year ago and I had told you, this is what will happen if you don't get this dental treatment done. And if you remember correctly, you said, well, I don't want to worry about it. Or for whatever reason, you said you were going to do it and it didn't happen. And this is why we really explain these situations. And I, unfortunately, I'm so sorry that you're in this situation and that you're ending up to have the tooth extracted. If there's anything that we can do to help in the future, like, please let me know. I'm so sorry of your situation. Um, but like I said, you know, a year ago when we recommended this treatment, this is why we do treatment plans. This is why we recommend treatment because it is needed. It's all important. Um, right. And usually the patients are like, okay, I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, the thing is, is you said something that is kind of magic there. Um, you said, I'm sorry that you're in this situation twice during that. And I think that's a very important thing to remember. Like I said earlier, you were not at this as the doctor responsible for the consequences of the patient's bad decisions. Mm-hmm. It is their situation. And you are the person who happens to have the skills to help them. Exactly. So never feel guilty about getting paid for those skills. You are not the one who made the bad decisions to begin with. 
that caused the patient to get into this situation. Exactly. Now, if you are the person who made those decisions, if it is your fault because you treatment plan the wrong thing, yeah, be a little hard on yourself. Maybe give the patient a discount. Explain everything. Honestly, be authentic. Mm -hmm. You know, people don't sue people they like. People sue people they think screwed them. Exactly. And document, document, document. Document, (laughs) document, document. That you said that. Document the discussions, even though you think, oh, my treatment coordinator went over the treatment plan. It's still important that they document what they discussed as well. Because Because if it wasn't written, it never happened. Exactly. And if you can read word for word what you said a year ago, the patient doesn't remember what they said a year ago. They didn't document it. But if you can read, say, my note here says this, they really don't have anything to say. And, you know, guys, in all honesty, one of the things you got to remember in this situation is that you have to audit your chart notes. You have Mm -hmm. to audit those notes to see if people are doing what you taught them to do. Even in my situation where I've got automatic notes where basically an idiot could put in the correct note. And Kenzie, you've actually seen my auto notes. Yeah, um, really. <laughs> so very, very in-depth, one might say. They're very detailed. So the thing is, is my employees, though, don't always, we have actually one specific person who may not be on the boat for much longer, but um, she does not use the auto notes like she's supposed to. She kind of wings it every time, and I get either a really great quality note or a crappy note. But I don't know that unless a chart audit gets done or I'm looking at every single note that they do, which I know a lot of you docs do, and that's fantastic, but my practice is too busy for me to write every single one of my own notes. It just Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. So, Kenzie, what do you suggest in that instance? How often should these chart notes be audited? Um, How, by whom should they be audited? And um, what does the process of that look like? Is it a spot check? Do you audit every single one? What, What do you do? I would say audit every day. Um, every evening. And if you can't do it that day, cause you don't have time, it's okay to do it at the end of the week or the next week, as long as you're tracking every single day that needs to be audited. Um, I think you should audit the account to make sure that the services charged out are matching what the doctor's saying in the note. I think the chart note should be audited to make sure that the right teeth numbers are in there. Like let's say you do a full mouth extraction, whatever's been charged out to the insurance or just simply to the patient needs to match what's in the doctor's note. Um, And then also making sure that the treatment plan is also matching what's to come next whenever they, I always think you should put next visit in the chart note stating what they're coming back for, making sure that's matching what's in line with the treatment plan and there's not a step that's missing. Um, And so I think it should be done every day. Every day should be done, chart note, account note. Um, And I think the person that should audit it is, you could say your office manager, if you don't have an office manager, um, just anybody that has the next line of authority in the office. Um, right. And if the doctor doesn't have time, then that's how you can do it. Or if you're the doctor and you like to keep track of that yourself, do it yourself. Um, but have somebody in the office who knows the clinical side, the insurance side, the accounting side, that way they can review everything and put it all together. Because really Absolutely. in auditing, you need somebody to put all the pieces together instead of focusing just on one little area. And I, I would make the recommendation that it be an insurance coordinator or someone who's very knowledgeable about insurance, because one of the reasons you do this is to ensure that you get paid mm-hmm. for the procedures that you did mm-hmm. and to make sure all the information is in there so that you can call a patient back. If there's something that you can redo that they mm-hmm. didn't do. So exactly. 
And if there's something that's in the note that didn't get charged out that you could file to insurance. Um, if the doctor did something extra and for some reason the communication didn't get to the admin staff and it didn't get charged out, you know, that's lost money. And sometimes that can be a lot of lost money if you don't have that in there. Um, and a lot of times I've seen, I've done a lot of audits myself and I've seen to where the patients come in and there's a limited exam in the chart and then all of a sudden you read the note and it says, we removed an implant today. <laughs> you know, it's like, wait right. a minute, that's not a limited exam. <laughs> that was my office. <laughs> Mine. And that's why that person probably won't be there much longer. So, um, oh yeah, hey, real quick note on that, by the way. Um, whenever you do remove an implant, for all you open dental users, just so you know, there is a bug in the program. That implant will continue to show up even though it's been removed. Um, and I still haven't figured out how to fix that. Have you figured that out? No, I write that down though. Hmm. If you do, do me a favor, make us a lesson for my office so everyone knows how to do it. Okay. <laughs> so guys, um, we have one more. And then I'm going to actually let um, Kenzie talk a little bit about what some of the, some of the cool things that PK Performance are doing are. Uh, because as you know, uh, all of the people who we have on our program are experts in one area of our field or another. And um, I like to give them a little chance to plug their stuff without being too salesy. So um, our last note, if you're ready, ma'am. Okay. I recently had a patient send an email with x-rays and a proposed treatment plan from a neighboring office. He wanted me to send my treatment plan without clinical exam. He did not want to come in for another exam lost the patient to another office, not the original one, who probably emailed him back with a treatment plan. I did not feel comfortable sending him a written document without clinical exam. Figure this could be a trend in the future. How should I have handled it? He was clearly shopping around. My Cigna PPL reimbursements were more than the neighborhood office. Trying to learn from this situation. So, what are your thoughts on that? So, on that one, it kind of goes in line um, with what we've been talking about um, throughout this whole podcast is call the patient and be honest with them. You know, if you don't think that they're going to come to you and they're going to move on to the next person, if you don't give prices, do it over the phone. Don't make it written. Don't say you're giving them a treatment plan. Have your treatment coordinator or insurance coordinator, whoever, call and say, well, these are the prices for these particular procedures. I see that you had this treatment plan at another office. We could treatment plan something totally different. We can't speak on what another provider is saying. So we need to bring you in for an exam. But if you're just looking to see how much the prices are going to be, here's the pricing. And then if they have insurance at the end of the conversation, do you have insurance? Who's your insurance? So I can see about what your reimbursement might be. Um, if you know that the policy that they have is a really good policy um, with your office, then right. you can help them. You can kind of make the sell a little bit better if you can tell them, oh, I know that policy and they have reimbursement of this, this, and this on their implants right. and this on this. Then they're like, oh, you know a lot about my policy already. I want to go to you. Um, and if you can give them a ballpark figure of just what your fees may be, then they can kind of put two and two together and do their own math. Um, they may not do that. They may go to the next person, but at least you tried. And at least you didn't, you can either have the patient make the decision if they want to come to you instead of them saying, well, you're not going to give me anything. So I'm just not going to come to you at all. Absolutely. And, and you know, the thing is what you're saying there, at least you tried. Uh, there is a, uh, in the, in the book I'm writing right now, actually, one of the chapters is a master will fail twice as many times as a beginner will try. Mm -hmm. And the point is, is folks, 
you're not going to win them all. But if you don't try it all, you lose them all. Yep. Every single one. Yep. Well, folks. I mean, like we said earlier, what's the worst that can happen if you gave them a price, you know? Absolutely. They just don't come to you. Exactly. Which, you know, it'll be okay, folks. We don't have to treat every patient. We only have to treat the patients who actually want what we, what we uh, have to offer. So, Kenzie, real quick here. Um, I'd like you to talk to our listeners a little bit about what PK Performance does. And in full disclosure, I am so enamored of your company uh, that I actually purchased a part of it, a very, very small little sliver. I get no say-so, guys. Kenzie's the boss. So <laughs> talk to us a little bit about PK Performance, what you do for offices, what you do for, um, for people. So um, basically, we've developed an interactive e-learning program. And for those of you that may not fully have an understanding of what that may be or what that looks like, it's kind of like how the college classes have transformed today with all online um, and having the, um, the students interact with the actual programs. If you've ever taken an Excel class or Word or anything like that, you have to interact with it to learn the different parts of it. And so what we've developed is something that's strictly online. It teaches um, an employee everything from the insurance aspect, the financial treatment planning. We focus a lot on clinical um, dentistry and a lot on insurance, um, but we do have things in there about communication and dentistry 101, um, things like that. But it basically gives them a full view of how to run an office, the most important parts, um, how to do the job roles, and it's not video-based. You don't watch a video or a person talk. Um, the person actually has to go through and interact with it and read, and they get tested on it. Um, and it times them, so you know how long they've been taking it and how well they've done with their progress. And um, it can be done anywhere. It's all web-based. Um, and then now what we're working on is um, – being able to have the person interact with the actual um, practice management softwares. So we're doing um, a little software simulation to where if somebody needs to learn how to make an appointment, then, you know, as you've seen with open dental, we're making it to where it shows them how to make the appointment and then it makes them do it themselves. So That's it's right not guys. Only I am the Guinea pig. <laughs> you are we're actually doing this in my office and um, <laughs> we're creating lessons. Every time that we have a problem, we send Kenzie a little note and says, Kenzie, we had a problem doing this. Can you figure out how to do it and make us a module? And so mm -hmm. the, those modules are going to be coming out pretty soon, but there's something else exciting that I know you're negotiating about. Can I mention it? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So very, very soon there will be an add on module for PK performance that teaches HIPAA and OSHA. And yes, you can get certified through it, yes. which is super exciting because it's going to be on your computer all the time. When you have a new hire, you can just put them through it. And you can pay, you know, 15 or 20 or whatever it is to do yeah. that certification. And you never have to call someone, arrange people's schedules or anything like that. Super, super cool thing you guys are doing there. Um, and actually, I believe you guys are, are working with uh, a world-renowned expert who happens to be a member of TBOD. And who yep. would that be? I don't know how to say his last name, but Dr. Pattaya. Pattaya. Pataya. Pataya. Okay, I always get it wrong. <laughs> he's, he's such a cool guy, isn't he? He and, really um, is. He's so funny. <laughs> and so these, these, um, these HIPAA and OSHA classes, they're actually going to be narrated uh, by somebody who speaks fluent American English. Mm -hmm. um, I know that that's one of the concerns whenever we have someone, something that's outsourced to someone who has a different native language or, or, yeah. or comes from a different company, uh, country. 
um, is how understandable are they going to be? And I've seen part of the product. I'm really impressed with it. So and he's I'm very, very knowledgeable about it. Oh, good well, God, we had yes. the pleasure of eating lunch with him um, last week. And Fantastic. Very, very smart guy. He knows exactly Absolutely. what he's doing. I'm and like, it, man, oh, you tell me this stuff. And I'm like, I know there are so many dental offices that could use this. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, you've, you've been in a few of them. Not yeah. mine. Not mine. <laughs> yes. I mean, it's a huge part. And I feel like a lot of people brush that under the rug a little bit, the HIPAA and the Absolutely. OSHA part. And that part is huge in the dental practice. And having oh. an online resource where they can always revert back to it as well. Exactly. something that's big. You can tell them, oh, well, what's our guideline on that? You can go look in the program. Absolutely. And the nice thing is, is that there's a signature at the end, isn't there? Oh, look, I can tell you've been trained in this. You even exactly. passed the test, right? <laughs> exactly. I love that. And so that exactly. can actually be used, guys. If you have to terminate an employee, you will actually have a record of everything that they've ever trained in, which I think is super cool because um, PK Performance, um, what they're doing for me is my entire employee handbook is going to be in PK Performance. And each one of our policy sections, they'll have to take a test on and they'll have to sign off on that. They'll have a score that shows they were trained. Mm -hmm. There's no more he said, she said nope. in training anymore. Uh, nope. This makes people accountable, which accountability, as we all know, is one of the hardest things for us as dentists to enforce because mm -hmm. we want to help everybody, right? So we exactly. tend to be big pushovers or, or rugs that people walk over. You don't exactly. have to worry about that anymore because it's going to be in the program. Exactly. And so, it's something to where the dentist can always look back at it instead of having somebody come in and train you physically, you know, they can say, well, that person did not teach me that. And the dentist right. isn't always around to stand Oh, look, up. there it is. Yeah, it's right there <laughs> online. I can see it. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, I do understand why you screwed up because you see, you missed that question right here. Exactly. But anyway. And you can recommend them to do it again. <laughs> so go ahead and do it again if you need to. <laughs> Absolutely. So um, any last thoughts here? Um, the insurance world is training. Uh, the insurance world rather is changing. Mm -hmm. And um, to me, one of the few things that is going to help you to stay abreast of that situation is constant training. Yep. Obviously, PK Performance offers that. So mm -hmm. um, do you have any sweet deals for my members? We should do that on a different, we, we should, I'm going to bend your arm, Kenzie. So, um, we'll, uh, I, maybe I'll bring Dr. Vo in, you know, he'll bend your arm. I know. I still, I still need to work out something with him too. I've been telling him, I'm like, we need to get on another podcast. I want to give all your members a deal because last time we didn't give a deal. Um, so yeah, definitely. We need to do that. All right, folks. Again, this is Dr. Christopher Huffer. Thank you for wasting an hour of your life listening to me ramble on. And uh, thank you to the beautiful and talented Kenzie for everything that you do for dentistry and um, hope to have you on again soon sometime. Thanks guys. Oh, Hey, and yeah. don't forget I started an uh, insurance group. So. Oh, I, I meant to, in, I meant to um, talk to you about that. We still have two minutes left. So give okay. me your best elevator pitch on why people should join your new <laughs> Facebook group. Talk to me. So, Everybody has these dental groups that focus on clinical, yours, the business side, you know, Glenn's nifty thrifty giving deals out for the dentists out there. I wanted to create a group that focuses specifically on insurance. So it could be basically a resource for all the dentists out there to post their questions, concerns, um, and everybody can share their knowledge and their expertise. Um, I 
want you guys, you and Dr. Vo and Dr. Campbell to be on there as well to basically help provide y'all's expertise in the insurance area. I know Dr. Campbell is going to be a huge asset to that. And then also to share my knowledge and expertise with members out there as well. Um, So please join. It's just a place for discussion. No cells, nothing like that. It's just a place to help. Fantastic. And who is eligible to join it? Is it dentist only? Is it front office managers? Is it insurance coordinators? I have it. It's a closed group, but I have it open to dentists and their office staff because I, I don't want the dentist to have to get everything from the office staff if it's related to insurance or a claim or something like that. Um, So I want it to be open to dentists and their office members. And you do have to answer a couple questions, just what office you work for, just to make sure that you actually do work for a dental office. Cause I want it to be people that are actually working in the industry and that actually do need that help. Okay. And so what is this dental group's name? Cracking the dental insurance code. Excellent. Does it have a tooth with a crack in it? Uh, it has a tooth. <laughs> oh, man, maybe you should put a crack on that sucker. Yep, get I'll, I'll talk to Wyatt. I'll tell Wyatt to do that. <laughs> oh, boy. All right, guys. Again, thank you for, uh, for being here with us on this episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. My apologies for not having done a podcast in the last month. Um, we had some technical issues. One of my computers went down, and um, we had to do a rebuild of it. And uh, I got sick. So, yeah, my apologies. I'll try not to get sick or blow up one of my computers one anytime in the near future. <laughs> All right, folks, have a great day. And again, you've been listening to the Deer Dog Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Deer Doc Podcast, your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Deer Doc Podcast on all major platforms. <laughs>